This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 21, Proactive Parenting. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Hi there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I have on Dr. Heather McGuire, and she is the founder and CEO of Prism Behavior. She is here to talk to us all about proactive parenting. From women I coach all the time, this is one of the biggest things we're working on is their mindset around parenting and how they can parent in a better way. And I love Heather's approach. I agree with everything she talks about in this episode. I apply it in my own life. So it gets the Lindsay stamp of approval. And I think she's going to give you a lot of really great resources and tactics to immediately start to apply in your life that you're going to think, as you listen of, duh, why haven't I been doing that already? But sometimes we just need somebody else to say those things to us, to reassure us and show us exactly what we need to do to make parenting feel good for us and feel good for our kids. And this is a great episode too for anyone who's not a parent yet. I think it's very important to start to learn tactics like these to work with any kind of children. We're all going to be working with children at some point, right? Even if it's just, you know, going to the grocery store and seeing a kid. So it's great life skills to have, great ways to develop yourself. So a little bit more about Heather is she has been studying behavior for over a decade, and she's been working with children, parents, and educators during that time. She is a proud mama of two kids a professor teaching school psychology courses, and as I said, the founder of Prison Behavior, which helps parents manage challenging behavior with confidence. In this episode, we cover a lot, specifically, as I said, proactive parenting and what that is versus reactive parenting. And we talk a lot about mom guilt. We talk a lot about mindset with moms and all that fun stuff. So without further ado, Here is my amazing interview with Heather McGuire. All right, Heather, I'm so excited to have you here today. I told everyone all about you in the intro, but I want to hear it from your mouth. Kind of tell us a bit about you professionally and personally. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's definitely an honor. And I'd love to tell you a little bit about myself. So um, I'm Heather McGuire. Um, My doctorate is in educational psychology. So my background is in school psychology, as well as in behavior analysis, which sounds really fancy. But basically, you know, I just have about... um, a little over a decade of experience working with families and educators, um, you know, on a variety of different topics, a, a lot related to behavior. Um, and 
in terms of what I do currently, well, I'm a professor full-time, and then recently I actually started PRISM Behavior, which I'm excited to talk to you guys about today, Um, and then I have a PRISM Parenting Podcast as well. So PRISM, basically, I started it because I really felt like I wanted to give parents resources um, if they were struggling with their kiddos' behavior, because there's just a lot out there on the internet about behavior, and a lot of it is really based upon opinion and I'm more focused on evidence-based strategies, but you know, that I trying to provide it to parents in a very pragmatic and palatable way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you tap on that of basically what's research-based is what I hear from that. Yeah, yeah, I do. But, but, you know, I I always have to, uh, you know, being a professor, I'm very always cognizant of that can sound like, oh, no, that research means boring. So I try to keep it in a way that, you know, parents can easily um, understand. And also, you know, it's, it's, you know, more interesting and, um, you know, some things that they can do um, and implement with their kids, like right away, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, where do we go from there, Heather? I mean, parenting is such a grab bag, right? Yeah, yeah. And the overall thing is, you know, I still feel like I do parenting really well. I think it's something that comes naturally to me, but it's one of the hardest things, if not the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. Um, (laughs) So why is that? Why is parenting so hard? Yeah, well, um, and okay, so by the way, I have um, two kids. And so my, you know, my son is in third grade. His name is Landon and my daughter is in first grade and her name is Addie. And I love that what what you were saying, because when, you know, I started working with parents before I was a parent and, um, you know, I, to be honest, um, as I think back on that now, a lot of parents at the time were like, well, how do you know? You know, cause I mean, honestly, with my professional background, I'm like, I'm going to be the perfect parent. Right. But it is true. Parenting can be really, really challenging. And, um, I think it kind of, you know, comes into the, this is what comes into play. It's really hard to know what to do. So kind of like what I was saying earlier about why, um, you know, I started, you know, that my podcast in prison behavior is because there are just so many different opinions about every single topic, right? So, and parents specifically can be really divisive. I don't know, um, you know, if, if you've experienced that, but it, you know, there's certain topics that, you know, have become so taboo to talk about, whether it's, um, sleep training, you know, and, you know, if you, if you use sleep training with your kids, then you're a bad parent from the perspective of some, but if you don't use sleep training with your kids, you're a bad parent from the perspective of others. Right. And so I think, um, or like, don't get anybody started on the topic of vaccinations. That's almost, you know, it used to be like, you don't talk about religion or politics, but now it's like within the parenting or in the mom circles, like you have to add in other things. Like, as I said, like, sleep training or vaccinations. Don't talk about those things either, right? Because everybody has such a strong opinion. And honestly, sometimes it's hard to know what to do. And even if we do know what to do, you know, so sometimes it is clear as parents what we should be doing, but we're just people too. We're humans. We're human beings. And so in the moment, sometimes we do know what to do, but it's just hard to do it. I I don't know if that's something that uh, just I experience or what your experience is with that. Well, and what I hear from that, Heather, is is what I talk to my clients about a lot. It's like, you know, within what's right for you and the answers, but we hear so much noise from everybody. Yeah. Else. 
and it makes us doubt us, doubt ourselves and criticize ourselves. Right. Um, and, And like you said, all of these things that past generations didn't have to deal with, especially now with social media. I mean, you yeah. can't circumcision online. Oh my God. <laughs> like, whoa. I realized that with my son was like, wow, we cannot tell anybody what our choice is because yeah. freak out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just this kind of polarizing a lot. It seems like, right. Yeah. No, I mean, even I, I started to experience this even when I was pregnant. So I remember being pregnant and trying to figure out foods that I could tolerate eating, right? Feeling sick. And, um, and, and so I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to make a sandwich. I'm going to make a turkey sandwich. That sounds good. But then, you know, you Google, oh no, like you start to hear about, oh, what about listeria? So you can't even, you know, feel confident almost having a, a turkey sandwich because if you, if you go on the internet, again, you know, there's such strong opinions about everything we do. And I feel like as moms, that's even more the case. I don't know what, when I think about, so I've been married for 14 years um, to my best friend and I have a, you know, a great husband and whatnot. But when I talk about these sorts of things with him, it's not something that he naturally feels. It's, it's the moms um, for whatever reason that I feel like you know, we have that um, burden of trying to make everything perfect for our kids more so, I think, still, and even in today's generation, than fathers. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it always is a question mark of where does this come from, right? Of um, I know when yeah. I followed Brene Brown's work and she was talking about one of the biggest things um, women feel is guilt or shame around their bodies and around being a mother, even if they aren't a mother. Yeah. And I just how interesting, right? Yeah. Um, it's just like in our innate DNA to kind of have yeah. these feelings. Yeah. 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 Or even, so um, I have a, a six-year-old and, you know, so her picture came back recently from, you know, as we had the back to school and the, you know, pictures and whatnot. And I noticed in her picture that she wasn't smiling or she was smiling, but not with her teeth, you know, she had like this, you know, a different smile than I was used to. So I said, um, Addie, like what I noticed you're not, you look beautiful in your picture. Why? But I noticed you, you know, you aren't smiling with your teeth. Why? And she's like, oh, because I have a, I don't know. She, she thinks that there's something I've never noticed that there's anything wrong with her teeth. I've never said this. I don't know where it came from. Um, but she's like, oh, you know, I, I don't like something about my teeth. And I'm like, you're six. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, versus, and again, it's it's different. But I think I do think as girls, we get, you know, as women and, and whatnot, it does start. It's probably innate to a degree, but I think a lot of it has to do with culture. Because um, when I look at my son, you know, um, in, they're definitely just different people in general. But it, it's a different level of pressure that's put on my daughter than my son in, in a lot of these ways. And I think, you know, good point about our bodies, um, you know, because as a, as, a, as a mom, when we become moms, our whole lives change, but especially our bodies uh, change. And it's hard to know how to feel about that, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, with all the things being thrown at us, Heather, with parenting, <laughs> especially motherhood, how can we start to make this easier? Yeah. So I think that um, when I talk to parents about how to make this thing, you know, parenting in general easier and more enjoyable, one of the things that I like to mention and kind of focus on is a proactive approach to parenting. Because I think so often it's easy to be reactive in our parenting. Um, And, you know, even myself, so 
definitely with the work that I've done, um, I am in general, I'm pretty proactive in my parenting, but even myself, like I can fall into these, these traps of, uh, you know, being more reactive in my parenting. So for example, this past summer, um, my kids went to summer camp a few days a week um, throughout the summer. And um, I wasn't really thinking. So I live in Southern California and traffic is a thing for sure. I'm sure it's a thing everywhere, but especially in California. And when I was um, picking my kids, um, the, their summer camp out, I was like, oh, it's so close. But I wasn't, it's not a time of the day and a freeway I usually take, right? And so I wasn't thinking about um, how much time it was going to take me to get from point A to point B to drop them back and forth between camp. And um Anyways, like long story short, what I found myself in at the situation I found myself in every time to and from camp was that my kids were arguing and, you know, being so close together in the car, being bored in the car, things like that. And so, you know, again, kind of coming back to the idea of proactive versus reactive parenting. In general, I'm very proactive, but in this one situation, I found myself getting very frustrated and, uh, you know, repeatedly about the situation. So I was like, you know, you guys, we need to get along and, you know, now, you know, becoming almost like legalistic, like, okay, you stay on your side, you stay on your side and, you know, we need to get along. And then, you know, it would end in this situation where I'd be like, okay, now nobody else can talk for the rest of the trip. And it was, you know, it was, it was that type of situation where as a mom, you know, I had all the tools. I have all the tools in my toolbox, right? I understand behavior. I understand all the things I can do to be proactive. But, you know, it wasn't until I, one day I dropped them off and I just kind of like looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Heather, what are you doing? Like, you need to actually do something proactive about the situation. So I went home and I came up with, you know, kind of just like a list of strategies that we could use. And it wasn't until, you know, so even knowing the things I could do wasn't enough. It was really not until I had that mindset shift to shift from being reactive in that moment to being proactive. And so I started using, you know, you know, some just simple strategies with them, you know, where, you know, I would, I, we have, we use a reward system. We can talk about that later, but in our home, we use a reward system. So I incorporated that a little bit. I gave them a list of different activities, you know, that they could use during the trip. And those activities were, you know, kind of novel and they only had them during that trip. Just by doing a few simple things, I totally changed the dynamic in the car, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Well, and, and I think I understand what proactive versus reactive parenting means, but can you just break it down very simply, Heather, of what the differences are? Yeah. So honestly, I think as you know, in terms of the differences, there's, there's things that we can do in the environment to set our kids up for success. Right. And so there's several things that we can do. Um, and, um, and we can go through some specific ideas in a moment, but that, that, you know, those, those things that we can do. And basically what happens is they help prevent challenging behavior, um, or, you know, struggles with the behavior that kids can have, they prevent those from happening in the first place. So anything that's prevention oriented is going to be proactive. And then, you know, reactive is like, okay, it's the consequences that we have to give, like, you know, whether it's a timeout or more like natural consequence, but 
no matter what we do, sometimes despite our best efforts, our kids are still going to act out from time to time. And we have to, we have to deal with it because there are consequences, um, you know, to the, to the things that we do. Um, and so anyways, it, it, what I like to think about it is like this, it's kind of like an 80-20 rule, right? Where if we spent most of our effort on the proactive, then they, you know, we, we are less likely to need the reactive. But if we aren't cognizant about that, what ends up happening is it's the kind of the other way around where we're constantly reprimanding or like when parents reach out to me, they're like, I've done everything, you know, I've, um, taken my kids, you know, screen time away. I, I've had it before where parents have said, I took the door off my kid's bedroom because they were slamming it. And like all these things that, um, they talk about. But again, if, if we aren't cognizant, what ends up happening is that we end up spending 80% of our effort, you know, being reactive and like, think about it for a second. It's about the same amount of effort, but if we, if we put the effort in the proactive, then things don't get like that. And we can have a more enjoyable atmosphere in terms of our home and, you know, with our kids, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like without even have having had known proactive versus reactive in the past, anytime I've been in reactive, I've kind of pushed my way out of that of this doesn't feel good. Let me get back to being on top of it. So right. But as like, we're on top of the behavior before it happens and we know how to handle it if it does. Right. 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 I think I, I, you're totally getting it. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's, it's more of like, what can we do? How can we support our kids to make the right choices out the gate so that we don't have to, you know, go to the, the negative of like, okay, now you have a timeout or now you lose this privilege. I mean, and again, kids need, you know, I'm not a person, I don't think it's realistic to say that punishment is never necessary necessary because, you know, I use punishment with my kids. I think it is necessary because I think there are, you know, consequences to when we make choices. I, that's, that's true as adults. So if our kids never get to experience some of those, you know, um, sometimes unpleasant consequences, I think we're doing our kids a disservice, but yet, you know, I think that there's so much that we can do to kind of, um, prevent that, you know, that pattern, of challenging behavior. That's just really so easy to fall into. Cause again, you know, it might even just be in one aspect of our lives. Like my, my example with driving, like it could be, Oh, my kids are pretty well behaved, but Oh, we just keep on experiencing the same thing over and over and over again in one little facet of our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can we approach that in a more proactive way, right? Exactly, exactly. And if and if you want, what I think that might be helpful is to get really like pragmatic here because, you know, it can sound a little bit theoretical, but like what, in terms of being proactive or preventative, I think that there's several things, um, you know, that parents can do um, to kind of accomplish that, if that makes sense. Yeah, let's talk through those. Cool. Okay. So one thing that is very helpful, and again, it, a lot of these things, they aren't necessarily rocket science. Okay. They're not hard to do, but um, you know, well, they're not hard to understand. They're sometimes hard to do in the moment, right? But they're pretty easy to understand. So for example, 
Um, one of the easiest things that we can do is really make an effort to catch our kids being good. So it's kind of like a, a catch them being good game, if you will. And um, it's just constantly highlighting the things that they're doing right. So, um, you know, I, I'm a professor, I teach grad school and um, I teach behavior. Um, there, there's students who are studying to be behavior analysts. So basically like basically behavior experts, right? Working with um, in the school system and with parents. And one of the first studies I talked to them about is one where there was like, I think it was like a first grade classroom and teachers were experiencing um, challenges with their students, specifically their kids. Um, you know, they weren't listening, they weren't doing their schoolwork, things like that. And so um, what happened is they, they took some, you know, uh, they, they took down like information about, you know, how often the kids were engaged with their schoolwork versus goofing off, basically. And they also took down information about, you know, how the teacher was interacting with all the students. And um, what they found is that, you know, most of the time the teacher was more like, you know, guiding them back to the task. And I think this is true for us as parents. A lot of times we're telling like, oh, don't do this and don't do that, you know, and we're kind of, um, you know, guiding when, but we're noticing more when they're doing the wrong thing rather than the right thing. And so the only strategy that they had these teachers use is this. They told them to, when they saw students that were engaged with work, they would praise them. Oh, great job, Johnny. You know, and, and they would, you know, they, they helped them kind of change the focus to the students who were on task, basically. And then, um, you know, with the kids who were, you know, not on task, um, there was, it's, it, you know, they, they were less likely to, um, you know, reprimand those students. Um, and of, of course, if, if there was in a situation where there was, you know, sometimes you have to, if, if a student was not being safe or was being overly disruptive, but for the most part, you know, they just focused on highlighting the good behavior. And you know what happened? The whole class started to engage with their schoolwork and be less likely to be off task just by the teacher stopping reprimanding if you will, and focusing on telling the students who were engaged with their work, like, you know, giving them praise. And so that little thing can be so powerful. And but it can be hard to do because like I'll give you an example in my own home. So my son, um, Landon, he's almost nine and he has a chore of uh, feeding our dogs twice a day. And of course, so he feeds the dogs in the morning and he feeds the dogs in the evening. And I don't know about you, but the morning and the evening uh, are, you know, the I, especially the evening, I call it the witching hour because, you know, uh, everything like hits the fan, if you will. Um, and so, you know, in the morning, I'm trying to push the kids out the door for school. And then in the, you know, in the evening, I'm trying to cook dinner and all that. So all that to say, uh, sometimes it's, you know, when my, my son would struggle with, you know, doing this chore without complaining. And, but what I found is that a lot of times if he did do it without complaining, I didn't even notice, right? Because he wasn't acting out. So I'm focused on what I need to focus on. So I wasn't even giving him that praise and that feedback of like, oh, you did such a great job. And really I was only giving him 
you know, the attention or the, you know, in the form of like saying, oh, you need to, you know, it's not good to complain about this or whatnot. Um, when he was not complying with what he was supposed to do. Um, and so, you know, again, it's, it's that proactive mindset of like making sure that we're noticing when our kids are doing the right thing and then praising for them for it, it can be very powerful in terms of, you know, increasing the types of behaviors we want to see and really decreasing the types of behaviors we don't want to see, if that makes sense. Yeah. And when I hear you talk about this, Heather, really it goes back to me in a lot of ways of fulfilling somebody's needs in a healthy way. Yeah. So maybe kids are acting out because that's the only way they get an attention or love yes. or feeling significant. So instead yes. they're kind of flipping that script and saying, Hey, I'm so glad you fed the dogs today to give him that attention. If that's a need he's wanting. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so powerful. And it feels so good. I know when I'm in proactive parenting, I just like feel more confident. I mean, yes. there's positive energy. It, yes. Again, it's like, I am rocking this parenting thing versus yes. active. And my daughter's having it's a, a better place. Yeah. And, yeah. She's having a meltdown in the back seat. And I'm like, what do I do? I don't know. You know? Um, so yeah, it's just such a powerful, and it's so simple. Like you said, it doesn't have to be these big rocket science things to do. It's just very elementary, but we, we really just have to be aware and strong enough to handle them. Correct? Yeah. And I think that's a good point. It's, it's counterintuitive, but honestly, reprimands, even like, you know, saying like, oh, you're doing this wrong, you know, that is still attention. And so if we, you know, find ourselves um, preoccupied and we're not giving our kids a lot of positive attention, sometimes they would pr prefer you know, that negative attention to no attention at all. Right. And so it is, it's true. It's all about what they need. Right. And so they do need our love and affection. And so this does allow us to give that. Um, and it, it does just result in a better atmosphere for everybody and a better relationship with our kids. Yeah. So what are the biggest problems you see, Heather, overall with just parents who are coming to you and saying, help me? Yeah. Yeah. This balance of proactive versus reactive? Is it something else? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things that I hear is that parents struggle, and it depends on the age, right? But defiance is a big thing. Um, and so, you know, when I, parents, when they, when they come and, um, you know, so one of the things I do for my listeners, I'm always like, if you email me, I'll always respond if they have a question related to behavior and parenting. And I think one of the biggest ones I see is, um, defiance and honestly, you know, there's a lot you can do to prevent defiance, but honestly, one of the best things to do I find is, actually to teach respectful negotiation skills to our kids. And, you know, as parents, sometimes in that moment, if our kids are defiant, we're, it's really frustrating and we become emotional, right? But um, the reality is we don't want our kids to follow with blind obedience in other aspects of their life. So like we want to, we want to raise like strong and strong kids who become leaders. Right. And so, but yet we want to raise respectful kids as well. So one of the things that I talk to parents about, and I, again, there's other different things that you can do to help prevent defiance, but I think it's worth saying um, that these respectful negotiation skills are appropriate and helpful to teach our kids. So what I've done with my kids, is teach them this. If I ask them to do something 
I will never punish them. I will never, you know, punish them if they come in a respectful way and say, mom, would you consider this instead? Right? So for example, like if my son is reading a book um, and it's before bed and I'm like, okay, it's time to go to bed, Landon. And, but like, let's say he's like on the last page of his book. It would be really frustrating if you've been reading a book and you only have a few paragraphs left, right? Uh, to just stop reading your book, right? And so I want him to have the confidence and the ability to say, hey, mom, is it okay if, right? And so to engage in that respectful dialogue with me, and then if possible, my job as the parent is to, you know, if possible, um, allow them to, you know, if it's reasonable, allow them to do what they want in that situation, right? But also part of teaching those respectful negotiation skills, another thing that's important is teaching them that if they do come forward, they, they're not going to punish them for it, but I still might say no. So it's the acceptance as well that sometimes, you know, like let's say it's 15 minutes past bedtime and there's something going on and I have to, you know, whatever. I, sometimes I'm, even though it's, I'd rather him be able to finish his book, it really is the last moment. <laughs> he needs to go to bed. And so, you know, it's, it's teaching them then, you know, how um, to accept when no is no, but encouraging them. I wouldn't want him to not say to me, I, if he was just like, yes, mom, like that's not what I'm looking for. Right. So I think that's one of the important things I talk to parents about. I love it, Heather. I'm so like, yeah, my hands like, yes, yes. I completely agree with everything you say. Um, I'm that any of this is out out of balance, either with the proactive parenting or the negotiations that, and it comes to disrespect. That's where I find with my daughter, I'm getting in trouble, right? Or we're yeah. getting I was like, uh, oh, you did not respond to that correctly, or yeah. I'm not on top of things or or whatever. So yeah, I love it, love it, love it. Well, yeah. obviously this is all the logical things of parenting, right? Of go out, yes. things happen, but we're emotional beings. Yes. Let's go back to that mom guilt again, because this is something again that I hear from my clients so very much of getting rid of that. Um, how would you kind of help somebody through mom guilt and diminishing those feelings? Yeah. So honestly, I think, again, kind of like we were talking about before, I think that in our culture, mom guilt is a thing. I think less so dad guilt. I don't, I, I don't see that as much, but as you know, sometimes, but I think more so it's mom guilt, right? And when I think about to my own life so far and mom guilt. It's not something I struggle with as much now, but if I look back, so I'm 35 and about five years ago, I went through a really hard situation. Um, So my daughter at the time was a baby. My son was a toddler. And um, honestly, I it should have been a really good time in my life. I had a dream job. Um, I was running a, a certain division of a company. We helped kids at risk for autism and I ran, um, you know, a, a whole region. And so I was um, hiring inter- behavior interventionists and case managers to go help those kids. We did amazing work with kids. Um, but it was a really stressful job. And then really like two months after I started that job, I, um, it's, it's a crazy story, uh, but basically, um, I found out that I had the breast cancer gene. Um, so it's the BRCA gene. I'm BRCA2 positive and it's a little bit complicated, but if I, if I kind of go with the, with the basic 
story of what happened. I thought that I was getting, you know, I decided to move forward with a preventative mastectomy. Um, you know, we were done having kids, my husband and I, we had had the two. And I was like, I don't, you know, people in my family were getting breast cancer at such young ages, but more like in their 40s. Again, I was 29, almost 30. Um, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get this preventative surgery so that I don't have to struggle with this in my life. Like, you know, um, and so I, I went into the surgery thinking that, and I, I had the mastectomy. And then like, Three days later, I found out that I already had breast cancer. It was a crazy situation. Um, and one that's pretty even uncommon, even if you have the breast cancer gene. Um, fortunately for me, the mastectomy was enough in terms of treatment because I had what's called stage zero breast cancer. Kind of sounds weird, but basically the cancer was... Um, encapsulated in the milk ducts, right? And so, but I mean, it was, it was uh, hard on so many levels, right? I, so I had a baby, I couldn't hold my daughter, you know, I couldn't pick her up um, for, you know, she was only at the time less than a year, I couldn't pick her up. And I, I, that was really hard. So if I think about mom guilt, honestly, for a period of time there, I just kind of checked out of be, being a mom, right? Because I felt like there are all these things that I was supposed to be doing as a mom. And I really didn't feel like I could do any of them adequately, right? And so there was like a lot of guilt there. And even like I think about um, later on, once I even recovered from my surgery, even after that, I was so busy um, trying to, you know, run this company and um, trying to be everything to everyone that I felt like I had this weird notion that I was lazy, right? And so the when I think about mom guilt, I think about the lies that we tell ourselves as moms a lot of times where, you know, I'm lazy or I'm not good enough or or whatnot. And and really I think in terms of how, you know, I look at that differently today is that whenever those lies still come, right? Um, I don't know about you, but for me, like those lies still come in my mind. Um, but what I try to do is kind of like flip the the lies with, and I try to replace them with truth, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, like, you know, the, the laziness, you know, um, if I wasn't again in a place where I was so much able to do this at the time. Um, but now whenever I start to think I'm lazy, I start to, you know, I, I make a list of all in my mind of all the things that I am doing for my family. And I, and I realize that even if I'm not getting to all the things that I want to do with my life, I'm prioritizing certain things, right? Or if I think back to, you know, the situation where, you know, medically I wasn't able to like lift up my daughter. And for me, that was, you know, kind of, um, you know, internally that, that made me feel horrible. But the reality is I had a great support system. Like it, my daughter was, was okay. She did, wasn't experiencing any sort of, um, you know, irreversible damage. My husband was there to be supportive. My family was there to be supportive. So, you know, when I, when I could flip the script on that and start to realize that, you know, my daughter wasn't being damaged and my relationship with my daughter wasn't being damaged and I'm not lazy. I, you know, I, that, that's how, you know, I was able to, and how I would encourage other people um, to kind of move forward. And, and whenever you do hear those lies, you know, stop the lies dead in their tracks and then try to replace them with truth, if you will. Yeah. 
Again, I completely agree. Yeah, there was so much of this, but it does. It takes an awareness to know what's there first, right? Yeah. Um, and for a while, I know I, I relate to your story is that it kind of ate at me behind yeah. the scenes until I was able to shine the light on it and say, whoa, what's going on here? And then, like you said, when I do catch it now of flipping that script of, okay, what am I doing well? Or replacing it with positive affirmations or whatever yeah. that is, right? Um, Yes. It, and I think the takeaway for me here is, and hopefully for the listener out there is it's normal. It happens, but we have yeah. to kind of, again, be proactive about it, be on top of it versus just kind of putting things in the dark. I see so many parents, especially peers of my daughters. Yeah. They're going through puberty right now, starting at age nine, which is crazy in my world. But, <laughs> oh, yes. uh, but so many of the parents are like, oh no, we're not dealing with that. Oh no, I'm not buying her the books or I'm not getting her the deodorant, even though she stinks or whatever. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. On this, my friend, like we've got to be, you know, pro again, proactive, not only with our parenting, but our minds and everything. We're yeah. Doing. So, I think yeah. a lot of times, yeah, I think it's a good point. You don't even realize that you're lying to yourself in your mind. You just feel like that's the truth of the situation. You know, I didn't at the time realize I was saying these, you know, th that this internal dialogue was going on. I just kind of owned the feeling of lazy, but I wasn't realizing that there were lies going on in my mind. So I think it's true. Like when you can start to realize that, no, there can be this internal script and the internal script isn't necessarily true and, and real. I think that, um, you know, that's a good, uh, a good starting point. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, <laughs> Heather, thank you for doing this today. You yeah. have great wisdom. How can everybody find you and tell us about your podcast as well? Yeah. So I have a great resource um, for your listeners. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I kind of alluded to is that with my own kids, we use a reward system. And I think that in terms of proactive parenting, reward systems are key. And there's different ways to use reward systems with different with kids of different ages. So I have a resource. So if you go to prism behavior, P-R-I-S-M behavior.com forward slash free guide, uh, then your listeners can download this, um, you know, guide to, to kind of walk them through the steps of how to implement and use a reward system very easily in their own home. So in our house, by the way, so I have kids in elementary, we use a system where my kids earn quarters. And then at the end of the month, they get to spend some of their quarters, they give some to charity. Um, and then also they save some. So it teaches some of that financial, you know, responsibility to the older kids, but there's ways to do similar things with you younger kids. Um, so I think that's a cool resource for your listeners. So hopefully they like that. And then my podcast is called Prism Parenting. And on it, I just take on lots of different issues. So whether it's picky eating or issues with sleeping, things like that. And then I do interviews on my podcast as well. Um, so that's Prism Parenting. Um, and then uh, uh, you can find me at Prism Behavior, you know, via Instagram or uh, also on Facebook as well. And there you have it, my friends. That is my interview with Heather. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a lot. If you're loving the show, I I have to just put it out there. Go leave a review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I would love to hear from you. I'm trying to get to 100 reviews by the end of the year. Uh, right now, we're at about 70. So it's a big stretch goal, I know, but I would love to make it happen. It takes just a few minutes. It's totally free. Go leave a review. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
And finally, I just want to say that we are approaching the last month of 2019. So I'm going to have two solo episodes this next month. We're going to be talking about goals, goal setting, because I know that's on the minds of so many people. And we're going to talk about some strategies that aren't just out there on the market. Some things I teach my clients that really work to help them create massive intentional action in their lives. So join me for those episodes. Until then, my friend, you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.